Jack, and an absolute pleasure. How is your day going, aside from answering the same five questions over <laughs> You know, it was one of those things. I was like, oh, please don't let my brain turn to pudding for this one. <laughs> Doing great, though. Thank you, sir. An honor and a pleasure to connect again and see the success and growth of this show. So this time I want to ask about the music. Yes. Wonderfully done by OK Go. Uh, when in the process did you know the music was going to be done by OK Go? Because sometimes it's at the end that they add the music like that. Sometimes it's at the beginning. We knew very early on, um, I gotta say, like they submitted a song, uh, a demo for the theme song. And as soon as I heard it, I started tearing up. I was like, this is it. This is it. They do an original song for every single episode. The turnaround on the scripts, they cranked it out so quickly. I cannot stress to you how grateful I am for their participation. Also, as we know, I mean, like kids latch on to the music in children's programming. Uh, and so they were so inventive, creative. They sound different, like different styles even. They were so collaborative and they even show up in our episodes. I will always, always, always say how much I am appreciative of OK Go. Also, I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan. Does your fandom go back to their Chicago days? Because, you know, hey, Chicago improv was good to you as well. Yes, indeed. You know what's so funny? I learned about them after I left Chicago. Uh, and so in a way I'm like, oh, but at the same time, you know, it might've been that it didn't work out. I think things just worked out the way they were supposed to. So I got introduced to OK Go after I left Chicago, but once they started coming to set and we started collaborating on the music, we shared a thousand different Chicago stores. But it, it does make you wonder, like, I wonder if we were at the same restaurant at the same time, you know? I'd have to imagine so. So this show, again, growing, critically acclaimed and awesome and fantastic. Is that all you're working on? Is it all kindness show all the time for you? Or is there other stuff we have to stay tuned for? Uh, other stuff, of course. I, I mean, I want to stay busy. And as we know, with TV, you know, it's a lot of hurry up and then wait. Um, but uh, this has this is I kind of like that this has consumed so much of my time because it makes me feel good. It just makes me feel good to focus my energy and my attention on a show about kindness towards other human beings. In the meantime, I'm always happy to join a show to do a voiceover with. You know, I'm still uh, a cast member on Nick Kroll's Big Mouth. Just Google me. Yes. You'll see. <laughs> and then, uh, I love doing voiceovers. I just recently did a movie with Jerry Seinfeld, uh, which was live action set in the 1960s. Um, so yeah, I'm hustling. Daddy's got bills to pay, but I'm very grateful that uh, Hello Jack um, is my main focus. Last question before I let you go. Sure. Obviously, Hello Jack's the best show on Apple TV. Duh. What's the second best show? Ooh, good question. I mean... I love I love uh, Miss Jennifer Aniston and Miss Reese Witherspoon. So let's go morning show. Let's go morning show. Works for me. Well, whatever is coming next from you, looking forward to it. Thank you for the many years of great, great entertainment, Jack. Uh, thank you so much. This is a real pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. Do I have it right? Three training sessions today, like every day? Yeah. Wow. So the stress of talking to me on top of the three training sessions, that must make it a rough day. But how are you doing otherwise? Um, overall, I'm doing great. Again, this is technically my second camp um, preparing for this fight. And I'm more than ready. I'm, I'm ready to go. 
Um, we have, you know, 15 days till fight night and I'm ready to fight. Your third fight in a row in England, thanks to team Eddie Hearn. Does England now feel like a second home to you? It does. It, there's comfortability there. The UK fans love boxing. They are familiar who I am and what I did the first time I went to London. And so now we're bringing a women's card um, that's historic um, at the O2 Arena. So again, it's, it's going to be great. And fighting in England, how does it work in terms of how many days before the fight do you arrive? And does the training schedule and regimen change once you're on the ground there? Yeah, so we usually leave a week early. So I'll be leaving on the 9th to London. You know, it's just a, you know, a change of time. So just getting acclimated to the time. You know, mm -hmm. we still do some light working, um, working out. But for the most part, everything is, is prepared. Had you been to England before starting to fight under the Hearn organization? I have not, no. Wow, okay. So that has to be a new, unique experience to deal with new fans, new cuisine, new gear, uh, learning the metric system. How, how's your metric going? You know, I don't, I don't have to worry about that. I just, I'm just there to fight. <laughs> but overall, it's good, though. Um, London's great. The UK is amazing. Right. So this, you know, not to put any pressure, the biggest fight of your career. We are excited to watch you in action over there and hopefully win. But it's also great to see that as your profile in boxing is raised, shows your social media presence that you've got a great personality on social media. Is that something you had to develop or you were you a natural entertainer all along? Natural entertainer, you know, boxing is entertainment. So I knew that being in this sport, you have to, you know, you're a product of your own. So I'm all for promoting myself, promoting my brand, and again, promoting women's boxing and who I am as an athlete. When I was a kid, you know, back in the stone age, boxing only the top like two or three fighters would have an endorsement you know maybe that person would get a video game and pepsi and that was it and then nowadays it seems like even not the top people have five endorsements in your case who are you working with besides your in-ring work yeah so right now i'm i'm signing with adidas um adidas boxing i'm working with um just recently signed with octagon I also um, was a Ford model too. So a lot of great opportunities, UFOs, which is um, a recovery shoe. I've been working with them as well. So really great um, partnerships that I've been able to come across. And again, just continue building the profile of, you know, who Alicia Baumgartner is in and out the ring. So that must be a win-win for you because on one hand, if you win this fight, the biggest fight of your career, Hey, the next even bigger fight. On the other hand, people want to work with you as a social media person. So your profile just keeps going up in an awesome way. But do you have it in you that you also want to act one day? Yeah, absolutely. The, the sky's the limit. You know, when you step into your sport or whatever you're great at, you know, the opportunities, there's, there's so many doors. And, you know, I don't like to just keep myself in one lane. So acting can definitely be um, something in my future. Now, your last name, I have to ask you, with the baseball pitcher, Madison, they had asked him when he started to get super famous about his last name. And he'd said that he'd also dated a girl named Madison Bumgardner and that everyone in his county had that last name. 
Were there a lot of people with your last name growing up around you? You're from Ohio, right? Correct. And no, there's nobody with my last name that I knew of, right? And so when I do hear of a bum gardener, I'm like, are we related? Is it with the D? Is it with the T? Because there, there's a difference. Um, so yeah, there's no bum gardeners that I know of. There's also the Baums and the bum gardeners. What was that all in Ellis Island kind of mix up where you got that name and you got that name? Any idea? Man, I'm not sure. I just know that Bumgardner just fit. And again, um, just the origin of what Bumgardner means is a tree gardener. So I, you know, that's strong rooted. And um, again, it's German as well. So there's some history behind that last name. Got it. Back to the training. One of the things I like to ask people from the MMA boxing competitive sports worlds is what music do you like to train to when you're allowed to choose the radio station or does your trainer go nope it's it's my turn oh no I definitely I'm the DJ in the gym so um, I'm definitely playing some some rap some music to to get me going some Meek Mill some Sada Baby some Money Bad Yo you know just music that just gets me in that groove so it's about the BPM the beats per minute that is instrumental to your training for sure, everything boxing is rhythm. So if you can box to any song because you know rhythm, then you know that comes with great footwork and all that. So it all ties in together. That's interesting because I was speaking with an uh, UFC fighter a couple days ago, and he says he puts on reggae because it relaxes him. So he's going for the relaxation, and you're going for the rhythm. Different, different vibes right there. Yeah, you know, listen, my, my playlist is all over the place, so I can definitely see why he chose reggae, because sometimes you can just, you know, be centered in on your mind and just, you know, cool, collective music, so. Sure. So after you win this fight again, after you win this fight, do you know what your schedule looks like for the next four or five days after? In other words, do you go, okay, so I'm eating this and I'm going there and turn the phone off? So, you know, after the fight, it's, it's going to be a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people meet and greets at this point. And again, it comes with the territory and I'm, I'm just ready. I'm ready to relax. I'm ready to celebrate. I'm ready to, you know, have people um, meet the unified champion of the world and yeah. again, continue um, to undisputed. Got it. When you're not boxing and training, when you're not on the social media, what's life like for you? chilling I'm at home I'm eating in my own comfort I'm just working on my plan I'm working on my brand I'm working on things that I can improve on again I'm always in the gym so I don't stay away from the gym I do um, train women as well outside of you know my training but for the most part I just I have an active lifestyle I heard uh, a rumor that you teach self-defense classes in Detroit I do. Yeah, we have, a, we have a bad class that um, I do with the ladies and it's a full cardio workout. You know, they're learning their punches. And again, listen, don't try them because they got it. <laughs> How long have you called Detroit home? Um, I would say about six years now. I would say um, Detroit has been my home. Wow. What led you out there? I asked that because you'll find a lot of like hipster musicians who went, oh, I moved there because I could buy a house for $60,000 and I can deal with the winters. In your case, what was it for Detroit? Training, you know, boxing is, um, Detroit is the mecca of boxing. You know, we, we have yeah. a lot of history here with the Crump Boxing Gym, Tommy Hearns, multiple, you know, world champions. And 
to elevate my career, I needed to go where the training was. And so I made that move from Ohio to Michigan, which was, you know, on a good hour drive and um, was able to just progress from there and progress my career. You said that it's a boxing mecca of professional wrestling. It's also been very important in music. I can't think of many cities that had more of an impact on the world than Detroit. But the last Detroit question I have, have you run into any members of the Insane Clown Posse in any capacity as a Detroit person? I have not. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My last question for you before I let you go, because it's a busy day, is do you have a TV recommendation that you could pass along? A show that you're watching at the moment or recently watching where you go, this is amazing and more people should see it? I would say Snowfall was my last like great TV show that I watched. I thought that was a great season. So um, I'm actually watching the Handmaid or the Handmaid Tales. Is that the, I think Handmaid Tale on Hulu with yeah. Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Yeah. I just was watching um, season five yesterday. So um, those two good shows, I would say. First question I have, is it Brianna or Brianna? I've heard both ways. It's Brianna. Okay. Now that we're seeing it the yeah. correct way, Brianna, how is the day going aside from answering the same five questions over and over and over again? <laughs> Thank you for asking. Uh, it's starting to get repetitive, um, but you know, you try to remember if you just answered that question or not, or if you said the same thing or who you're talking to again, but here we are. So uh, today's been awesome. <laughs> One thing I couldn't figure I'm out. I'm coming to you from Mozambique, having the greatest day. Are you really in Mozambique? I am. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now that technology. Deserves, that deserves its own interview at another time, but I assume that's on set and on vacation. <laughs> Uh, no, it's, um, uh, I, so I moved to South Africa a year ago and I live in Zimbabwe and um, we're doing some work in Mozambique right now slash taking a baby vacation. Wow. Okay. I know, I threw you with that one, huh? <laughs> I don't know where to go, like with my Evigan history right there. When I used to work okay. at Okay, bring it on. You'd, you'd see the Evigan last name and go, oh, there's multiple Evigans that are killing it in the entertainment. <laughs> so before I ask about Ask Me to Dance, I want to know, how does your dad feel about the fact that all the kids went into entertainment? Did he try to dissuade the whole thing? No, he, you know what? He, both parents never pushed it on us. We all found it in our own ways and, and everybody loves what they do, you know? So that's the cool part. Like my brother being the music guy, my sister, actor myself acting it just it's what we all wanted to do and we all took off with it and you can't stop any of us <laughs> it's like the nelson family i would have to assume <laughs> uh, you should see what christmas is like it's amazing well are there any collaborative projects that have included the whole family or do we have to wait five to ten more years for the hallmark movie so yeah so exactly well my dad and i did do a hallmark movie together um but uh, my dad actually wrote a really brilliant TV show and it's kind of like Curb Your Enthusiasm vibes and um, raunchy and fun and over the top and we just need to get it made and it's called Changing You and my dad's you and um, it's basically my favorite thing ever but we just need to make it happen so once my company is up and running it's going to be on the list. Well that was <laughs> actually something where I was leading that you first made it kind of as a dancer and then it became an actress dancer and then a choreographer actress dancer and you're kind of hard to 
pigeonhole or describe because you've also found success within Sony. God. So was the production company later on in the plan? And the answer is yes. Right. Yeah, 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 there is. So yeah, and it's called Move Me. So um, you can check out the website and stuff. We are up and running right now, but we are um, in development with the film that's starting March next year. Um, and then there's a docu-series that we've been filming. We finished pilot and have been pitching it. And, um, you know, we want to tell inspiring stories that compel people into action. Um, I'm a big fan of impact filmmaking. And if I'm going to continue storytelling, I want to do it on that side of the world. Yeah. So ask me to dance. When was it actually filmed? So it was filmed in June last year, which was the month before I moved to Africa. And I opened the script, read it, and in like 45 minutes called my agents back. And I was like, yes, like, let's just do this is so much fun. This has been my life. Um, I'm assuming the director had uh, part of his life was this as well. And then like, let's be honest, the rest of the world that's trying to date and then was trying to date during a pandemic. That was really fun for everybody. So, yeah. <laughs> when did you learn that Mario Cantone was going to be part of the production? Oh, I did get a freeze. Hold on. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, I learned that Mario was coming on pretty much when I came on. It was very, very last minute for both of us. And I was so pumped to be playing best friends with Mario. Let's just say that. And he's a very dear friend of mine now and for the rest of my life. Is Mario able to turn it on and off quickly? And by that, I mean, <laughs> is he able to break character immediately? Like I think he is. He is. He honestly, he is one of the most entertaining people to work with. And like, it's really, really, really hard to keep a straight face working with that man. Um, I mean, just in general, hanging out with him, you're like, he's just so himself, which is so admirable. You know, it's just, wow. Yeah, you're you and, and that's amazing. And I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and what were the filming locations for this film? These days, I have to ask that because Georgia yeah. seems like it has the set for everywhere. Just like New Mexico has that Las Vegas set, I think on the Netflix right. lot. So you never know where things okay. are these days. Yeah, no, this was actually filmed in Newark, which um, was honestly, it all felt pretty sketchy after the pandemic and the time that we were there. It just, everything was closed and run down and uh, it, it, the whole energy of the place was a bit sad, to be honest. Uh, but we had this light of this film and all of us entertaining people and coming in and reopening up bars and restaurants and places that we were filming in, which I think was great for business at the time. And um, yeah, no, it was all locations. And again, I wasn't the location scout, but I think they killed it with, with where we got the film. Was that the first time you'd filmed out there? Um, I filmed uh, first time in Newark, yeah. Um, yeah, it was Newark, yeah. I'm like, was it Newark? <laughs> Short-term memory with the pregnancy. Uh, yeah, my family's actually from New York and from New Jersey though. So um, I did get to go visit some people and stuff and I love being on the East Coast. Yeah, Newark has definitely changed in the last 15 years where there's this beautiful opera house that wasn't there, I don't think, 20 years ago. You no, yeah. Donuts, uh, things like that. Yeah, yeah. There. Yeah, totally, totally. But it did feel it felt quite run down and things were still boarded up. And um, yeah, you could really feel the presence of what had just happened in the past two years while we were shooting. Where are the family roots from in the New York, New Jersey area? So we got Long Island. I didn't then, know that. Uh, yeah, Mama's from Long Island. 
And then in Jersey, it's South Amboy and Saraville. <laughs> wow, so is John Bon Jovi um, the Godfather by proxy? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they are the Sayerville South Amboy band. Yeah. So did you get to spend much yeah, time? Yeah, well, that's where my dad is from. Exactly. So did you get to spend much time there growing up or did once he left, he left? Yeah, he, you know, all three of us kids were born in California. So um, we all grew up there. But, you know, we've always gone back and are still close with all of our family members over there. Got it. So, hey, back to this film right here. It's cool that you got to film it during the pandemic and that a lot of people were not able to work or a lot of people yeah. were going, what am I going to do? Did you find yourself yeah. at that time struggling or did you have to keep a secret that you were working? I did not have to keep it a secret. I was very excited when I got this job. Um, I did not work for over a year and a half and uh, it was definitely concerning. And um, once I crossed over the concerning part, I was like, this is cool. I can go to sleep at whatever time, wake up at any time, I've got no schedule. Maybe I should check out what I really wanna do in my life, um, which is what happened. And I made a decision within four months to move to Africa. And of course, when I made that decision, I booked the film just before, which was so cool. Plan a vacation and you'll book a job. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I think it was a hard time for most people and also a time to reinvent and really ask yourself, am I happy? What am I doing? Do I want, like, I can still be a storyteller, but how do I want to be a storyteller? You know? Um, so for me, it was everything I needed and more. And more. Okay. <laughs> Some countries yeah. make it really easy to emigrate out there. And then other countries go, nope, send us your last yeah. eight years of income and all that. Mozambique, how does that work? Where does it go on the scale? So, uh, well, you should have seen us at the border the other day with a newborn with an emergency passport. My dog travels with me everywhere, so I've got him. And, um, you know, my fiance, uh, he's a badass. So uh, <laughs> he's lived in Zimbabwe for 13 years, Australian ex-special forces. and. Um, the guy knows Africa, so we know how to get around. But uh, but it's not easy. I do have a three-year work visa in South Africa, so I'm working there a lot. And um, we'll just see how it goes. Just keep talking your way through things. I did see a Paulie Shore movie that he made in South Africa. But <laughs> is, is there much of a film industry out there? So, you know, there is. There is quite a bit in Cape Town and Johannesburg, especially. But... Um, I'd say a big part of what we want to do is help with some of that early development structure. And there's so much talent everywhere around the world, you know, and um, so much of it's being missed. And I think that maybe they don't have the platform and the, the ways of actually making it happen. Um, so I, I think us being here and helping with that could, could make these people shine. You know, there, it's not even us doing anything. It's just us bringing a template. That's it. <laughs> Hence your production company, pushing forward movement yeah. Mozambique based entity yeah uh no so it's a uh, right now no it's actually a U.S. entity um and the first productions are going up in South Africa so we have production partners in, in South Africa and then we'll move to Zimbabwe Botswana Kenya Tanzania and Mozambique that's a lot to mark process. my word I think I'm going to move to Mozambique in a couple of years yeah I think it's going to be home base <laughs> Cool. Well, the last question I have for you is, yes, we were set up to talk about Ask Me to Dance, but are you allowed to say what comes out next, what the next project is, or are you under deadline.com embargoes? 
<laughs> no, I'm not. Um, well, obviously, Ask Me to Dance comes out next week, which I'm super pumped about. It's just such a fun film for everybody to see. And um, then I've got a film called Just Below Sunset, uh, directed by Luis Soto, who's brilliant. Um, very dark drama. Uh, cannot wait. Maybe one of my favorite films that I've gotten to be a part of. Um, and then uh, Love and Communication is right now doing the festival circuits as well. And I think that's it. Those are the three. Looking forward to that all and whatever's to come in the near future. Please. Thank you for your time and continued success. Thank you. Thanks for making the last interview so fun. Frankie, aside from having to talk to this guy, uh, how's your day going so far? Uh, another day in paradise, man. My day's great. Hope your day's doing good so far. I think so. By the way, does anyone call you Frank? Is that an honor that you elevate to? Uh, my dad, my dad was Frank. Um, so I have a couple buddies from um, grade school that I grew up with. A couple of them call me Frank, but no, it's I've always been Frankie because my dad, my dad was big Frank, so I was always Frankie. Wow, so it's not a Debbie Gibson thing like you grew up and I'm I'm Deborah or Frank. Uh, so they, okay. If you knew my old man, there could only be one Frank. So I'm 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 forever Frankie. Yeah. Forever Frankie. That that should be a future uh, character, Forever Frankie. Yeah. But anyway, thank you for taking the time. It's great to see you're going to be part of Bound for Glory. How long did you have to keep that a secret that that would be happening? Uh, so I had um, spoke with Scott Demore, um, you know, over the summer after my last appearance there, and you know, we talked about maybe if there would be an opportunity for me to come back at some point. So we, you know, kind of went back and forth and. You know, I've, I've known for a little bit. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's cool. I like I like keeping secrets. I like, you know, yeah. I think wrestling needs a little bit more of the unexpected. So, uh, you know, it's cool to be a part of, uh, you know, something that you don't see happen every day in our crazy world of pro wrestling. Right. And it's great to see you go between companies in a positive way. Is this still the forbidden door? Or is that an outdated term? I don't know. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I've never really called it that. Um, but uh, I, 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 I am very fortunate. You know, I'm very, um, I'm blessed that, uh, you know, Scott Demore is, um, you know, allowing me to kind of come and revisit, you know, what made me who I am as a wrestler and impact. And I'm very grateful that Tony Khan, uh, you know, has opened that door, no pun intended, and yeah. allowed that to be possible. It's, it's really cool. The impact roster is really interesting in that it's a mix of future stars, people you've seen on TV, current stars, all that kind of stuff. I'd have to assume that you knew 90% of the locker room before coming back to impact. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I always kind of have my finger on the pulse of what's going on. And, you know, there's, there are guys that I just met for the first time coming back to impact some of the younger guys, but you know, a lot of guys, you know, the Motor City Machine Guns, I've known those guys for 20 years. And, you know, a lot of people that work behind the cameras, you know, in production and uh, just a lot of additional folks. So, uh, so yeah, it's always kind of a cool, like, homecoming, but it's also cool to get in there and, you know, see the kind of the, the, the new crop of, um, you know, men and women carrying the torch for, for Impact Wrestling. This is a compliment. There's no backhanded thing coming after that. That's just the warning. So I look at your generation as being the top of wrestling now. And we're seeing the people that you started with, they're the world champions. They're the locker room leaders use a stupid outdated term, but they're the people headlining the shows. When did you start to notice that the people that you were coming up with were the main draw as opposed to the opening bouts? Uh, I mean, honestly, over the last, you know, 
several years, you know, after leaving uh, TNA Impact Wrestling in 2014 and spending five years in Ring of Honor. And, you know, in that time, you know, seeing uh, what AJ Styles has done, for example, and, you know, finally getting that opportunity in WWE and, you know, taking the ball and running with it and scoring touchdown after touchdown. And, you mm-hmm. know, guys like Seth Rollins, who was a stale ward at Ring of Honor and this, the work he's done. And, and uh, yeah, Samoa Joe, like just that crop of people, like, you know, is now running professional wrestling on television. And it's, it's cool to see, you know, it, it took a long time. Um, you know, I've been doing this close to 25 years. So it's, uh, and I, I still, it, you know, uh, part of me still feels like a, a young kid. Outro.